0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of East Baseball on the Mic. I'm your host, Hope Shortridge, back with another episode. Today, joining me, I have Coach Brink. Coach Brink, thank you for joining me today.
1: My pleasure. I'm excited to be here.
0: So first, tell us a little bit about yourself. How many years have you coached
1: at East? This is my fifth year at East. So I came here as a business teacher and hired as the freshman baseball coach. And then that first year, we had the change in head coaches, and Coach Lana came in, and um, so then quickly promoted to reserve uh, as he restructured his coaching staff, and then just been here since. Uh, Spent five years teaching at Beatrice High School before that, and um, one year as head coach there, a couple years as assistant.
0: Tell us a little bit about your personal baseball career. (laughs)
1: Um, I grew up in York, Nebraska, so a small town. Uh, No high school program, Legion program in the summer. We played, oh, I think 25 games max. So not a lot of games, um, but it was my one true love growing up. When I got on the Diamond, it was just a place where I could go mentally and feel really good about myself. Um, Knew a lot about the game, just grew up watching it. Um, You know that was before phones. That was before YouTube. (laughs) That was before TikTok and all that. So when you were bored, you either went outside and played baseball, played catch, pretended that you were in the major leagues in your front yard, or you watched TV. Right? You watched baseball. So I learned a lot of it growing up. Played infield, enjoyed it. Had a couple state tournament teams in high school. We were surrounded by some pretty good talent for a small town, but you know you just didn't know what you didn't know. So. I went to college to play as a freshman, and it was a big culture shock for me. Made some choices that, you know, kind of retired early from baseball and regretted it. You never get that time back. So it's been a lot of what's fueled me as a coach, taking what I've learned from my own experiences, my love for the game, and trying to pass that on through the players.
0: That's great. Let's talk next about your favorite memory as a coach.
1: Oh, my. You know, I've, I've been involved with some, you know, we, we played a district game at Beatrice High School. I actually played it at Hartog and when I was coaching at Beatrice, and we went, oh, it was a seven-inning game. We probably went to the 11th inning, and I think we ended up losing like 2-1, to one, but it was an incredibly hard-fought game. Played really well, uh, very exciting, even though we ended up on the short end as a coach last summer, coaching the JV team in the summer was, was great. Uh, I don't really have specific memories that stand out, just more like seasons or events or results, you know, taking that team and being along for the ride as they continue to get better, um, culminating at the end of the year playing, you know, our best baseball was really exciting for me. Very fulfilling, you know, as a dad slash coach, um, it brings on its own unique challenges and you kind of have to play not have to but like it was difficult but I played both both roles as father and coach you know when Keegan played so you know last year's run the state tournament the year before in the state tournament just a lot of great memories as a coach being around those boys that graduated last year but those teams that I've had you know as a JV head coach that was fun um, to have your own team and to watch them progress So it's hard to kind of think of one specific memory.
0: Right. So next, let's talk a little bit about the importance of mental toughness.
1: (laughs) You know, I'd like to think that I'm a pretty good coach. I've learned a lot. I try to get better and continue to grow as a coach. But I think that the mental toughness aspect of it, is some experience and knowledge that i really thrive in Um, it's something that i've studied my entire life studying successful athletes um, studying successful teams learn how to be a better man a better father uh, a better coach mental toughness to me is the separator you know we've got some pretty talented kids that come through east high school and when they play at that next level they're going to be surrounded by kids that are just as good or better so at some point the physical talent is very similar. So what's the separator? What creates a champion? What makes somebody the GOAT, right? Like we talk about the GOAT all the time, LeBron versus Michael or, which by the way, it's MJ all day. or Tom Brady, you know, like what makes these guys so incredibly successful. And I think it's between the ears. Mental toughness is a separator from the average to the good or the good to the great. Uh, The champions are all mentally tough. The champions have all come from different backgrounds and different paths to get where they are, but ultimately end up in the same place, which is being on top and being the best. And they don't do that without the mental toughness. And you're sitting in a environment every day when you put a baseball glove on where you step between the lines where you're going to get kicked in the stomach you're going to get challenged things aren't going to go your way and it's just kind of a microcosm of life which is why i love the game
0: so as a coach what does that mean to you when a kid is mentally tough
1: so you know i, I look at it like a flat line they're focused so to me when i look at a player and somebody that's focused and doesn't get distracted When times are good or when times are bad, they stay locked in or they can focus back in and keep moving forward. Mental toughness is the ability to remove emotion from an outcome. Mental toughness is the ability to play hard and not have an expectation or an outcome. Just keep putting the next step, you know, one foot in front of the other, taking your next step, regardless of the current situation, regardless of what the expected outcome is or what your goals are.
0: Yeah. What was the state tournament like from a coaching perspective?
1: The state tournament from a coaching perspective was how do I provide value? How can I bring value to help these kids out the most? It's, it's not as pressure packed as I thought it would be. Um, I think the first state tournament that you play in or that you coach in, it's like super exciting mm-hmm. and um, your emotions get a little bit, out of control at times you know it's the ups and downs of it last year was the second spring state tournament that we played in that I've coached in and it was more like laser focus it was okay what's my role gonna be during this game what are the expectations that coach Lonick has what do my players need and I'm just locked in and focused on what can I do to help these players be prepared for the next pitch or for the next inning Um, So it's like super hyper, it's it's a hyper focus because even though they're playing, your competitive spirit is still there. Your role as a coach is still there. So you look up and you see a pretty cool stadium that you're playing in or lots of fans and it's blocked out. You don't really have time or the tunnel vision is there where you don't feel or see or hear a lot of that extra stuff going on. So I felt like to me, it's a little bit more, focused and purposeful than it was stressful or pressure.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because even for me, it was like this first year was like, oh my gosh, this mm-hmm. is, this is, we are literally playing on Warner Park right now, like we're at UNL, this is great, you know. I th- and then I, I think even kind of by, you know, day five of it or whatever day, we were, I was a little more accustomed to, you know, of just being there and the presence is. This is where we want to be, and it's cool that we're here. But yes, we gotta, we got a goal. So.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's just the end is very close, right? Because you're at the end of the season. The goal is right there. It's now. It's in front of you. You've gone through the tough part, which is either getting wild card points along the way, winning a district, or just getting into the eight team tournament. Right. Once you're in it, then it's just it's game on, right? So once it was game on, it was like, okay, let's get laser-focused. Let's figure out what we got to do.
0: So next, let's talk a little bit about infield. So in some other episodes, you were described as the infield master.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, those are kind words. You know, when I played growing up, one of the things that came very natural to me was the ability to navigate and understand space and be confident and have some intuition or the ability to see a play unfold before it happened so from an infield play perspective it's unique in the standpoint that you can anticipate a lot of things and you can react differently to different situations to be in the right spot to make plays and so it doesn't necessarily take the best athlete in the world to be able to do it. You know, It's a combination of baseball IQ, it's a combination of confidence, it's a combination of rhythm or fluid or um, artistic sense to it. And so it allows different players, different opportunities in those situations. So to make a long story short, basically I, the thing I love about infield play is that you can take anybody and you can work with their strengths and help them be who they are in the situation to help the team out, but also to make the, the plays that they need to make to help the team win. It is one of the early things that I discovered that if I could, if I could create some value as a coach, that would help me um, become more of an asset to a program. And it's something I've always been interested in. I think from the standpoint that it's what I played growing up but also just the role that you can play in a game. Uh, Baseball's awesome because it's, you know, if it's a, if there's a hundred or 150 or 200 pitches in a game, it's basically 200 individual plays, right? So you're always engaged. You're always involved. There's always something to do. Yeah. And so I can take somebody like, or work with somebody, you know, like Cooper Erickson, who's six foot four or, Noah Walters, who's extremely athletic at six foot, or now we've got Harrison Beaster, who's extremely athletic, um, AJ Vasco, who's athletic and six foot five. You know, um, all different types of individuals with different talent levels and different athleticism and different understandings of the game. Take those little bits and pieces and put them together to help them basically come together as one unit. Yeah. As I study it and study it and study it, I'm looking at the best and I'm looking at the best coaches that are out there. You know, what was interesting is um, we had that break for, for COVID and, and the pandemic. And one of the things that stood out to me was, all right, I'm not going to sit around and let this opportunity to get better as a coach pass me by. So I just dove deep into infield play. And there was a lot of podcasts. There was a lot of um, webinars. There was a lot of Zoom calls with the best infield coaches around the country so I had the chance to be in on meetings and learn from Billy Boyer, Tyler Gillum, Clay Cox, Kai Correa, Nate Trotsky, Trent Mongero I mean a lot of these big names people probably don't know them or have even heard of them but in my world they're big names and you don't get that chance very often to be able to be on a zoom call and listen to these people talk going to the abca national convention and watching them present the abca is the american baseball coach association it's also got a very deep database of instructional video for coaches so i've been through all of those videos and those presentations um, so i've just basically dove in and tried to i don't know if you ever master it but i've taken a lot of pride and personal responsibility and being the best infield coach that I can be. Now at the high school level, that doesn't always, you know, we're lucky to get 5, 10, 15 minutes of individual defensive work. Yeah. So you got to be able to do more coaching overall. But, you know, part of, I think, as a coach with social media and trying to relate to younger players is is taking advantage of the opportunity that you have through Twitter, through Instagram or whatever. I haven't gone the TikTok route or the Instagram route. I'm kind of a Twitter (laughs) guy. But... You know, hashtags are big, hashtags are real. So you want to differentiate yourself a little bit and brand yourself. And so, I don't know, I just kind of have some fun um, with the hashtag hop readers. To me, it's, that's what an infielder is, is you're reading hops. And, you know, I think about some of the success stories or the, or the athletes that I follow and what made them amazing um, was how they personalized things or how, they, how their brain works, basically. Kobe Bryant would talk about how he gives out numbers meaning how many points he scores or some boxers talk about what their job is, is to knock people out. Right. Like, I think what's the job of infielders? Well, the job of infielders is to read hops, right? So hop readers. Um, But really what I'm trying to do is take this probably underestimated or unappreciated aspect of baseball and bring it to the forefront a little bit or give some players an opportunity to get better as a, of a player, to be more marketable at the college level, um, to be a better prospect, whatever it might be, to develop more by really, truly trying to uncover what's going on to give them the best opportunity. A lot of what I think about as a coach is basically this. I love baseball growing up. And there were times when, and, I, and you don't know what you don't know, right? So there were times when I needed help and I wanted help and I didn't get it just because of, the lack of opportunity that i had or that that small town nebraska kids have and i thought to myself you know what if i ever get the opportunity i'm going to do whatever i can so that if there's another kid that comes along that loves baseball like i did they're going to be armed with all the information they can get going into college so a lot of what i do is prepare these kids or try to teach these kids the same infield fundamentals and the same infield de- defensive concepts and moves that the professionals use, or that the professionals are going to hear, or that college kids are going to be coached or taught. So they're getting maybe not the best high-level instruction, because it's coming, you know, it's coming secondhand through me, Um, but I'm taking all the information that I can digest, and I'm trying to to funnel it back to them, so that maybe they're going to, you know, I always like to think that maybe at some point they're going to go to college or play professionally, and they're going to go oh yeah, I worked on that with Brink back in high school, right? <laughs> I mean, that'd be the best um, recognition I could get Would just that internal satisfaction of some of the f- of former players coming back and going, man, that was what we worked on was great. What we worked on is the same stuff I'm working at on at Washington or Nebraska or Creighton or whatever. So I, my thought is this, like, these kids deserve it. And my job as a coach, like, why shouldn't I be the best infield coach in the in the country? Or why shouldn't I be the best high school infield coach around? Or like, I just think, um, you know, even though I'm 49 years old and I'm a <laughs> coach, like I still want to achieve. Like I want to get better. Yeah. So yeah, it's for the kids. But like if I have these high expectations of kids to come out and play and work hard and get get after it, then I'm going to do the same thing as a coach. When we, start, we had our three boys and they started playing baseball, I'm like, I'm going to do my darndest, do whatever I can, so that if Cooper or Keegan or Kiffin want to play baseball in college, that I've given them every opportunity or tried to do whatever I can so that that decisions there for them.
0: Absolutely. So do you have any books or podcasts to recommend about either baseball, infield, whatever?
1: So I'm probably, not probably, I'm definitely obsessed with certain things. (laughs) An obsession for me is... How do the successful become successful, right? Like, how do the greatest in the world get there? Is it something they're born with? Because if it's something they're born with, then not everybody has a chance, right? So knowing that it's not that, now that plays a big contributor in a lot of things, but it's like this little secret. What's the secret? And it's the same thing in the classroom, right? When I'm talking to kids in finance classes or take charge or whatever class. In the classroom, it's like you're going to get some basic information here, but let's talk, let's try to figure out what's going to get you from here to here. Or what's, you know, I talked about it earlier, like what's the separator and that's that mental side. And that's what everything is to me. And that's what I become so obsessed about is, which is probably why I love to coach. It's that obsession of what's the separator. Probably the most influential book that I've read was in 2013 it was relentless by Tim Grover. And Tim Grover was the personal trainer for Michael Jordan pouring through highlights, pouring through infield play. So there's a a website called Baseball Savant. If you go to Baseball Savant and you do a search, you can search any play in the MLB. So I can take a look at all kinds of infield plays. So I'll spend my time there looking at that. The ABCA is another resource that I pour through. So what I'm a big, huge believer in is that if you're willing to put in the work, you can find the secret, you can find the answers. So I'll pour through tons of resources and I'll pull what I like and I'll push off to the side what I don't like and I try to build my own answer to that question, right? Like what separates people. Okay, so here's some great resources for me. Audible, I love Audible. Like my library on Audible, is hundreds of books and you know people might go out on the weekend and do things with their friends or they might spend a lot of time on social media or they might binge on Netflix Um, I spend a ton of time listening to Audible I spend a ton of time watching documentary stuff on Netflix I spend a ton of time on YouTube I spend a ton of time on ABCA all centered around this obsession of trying to figure out what makes the best the best
0: absolutely So thank you so much, Coach Brink, for joining me today. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of East Baseball on the Mic.